0: And welcome to Women in the Business Arena. I'm your host, Sonya Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Shook Guzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Every week, we dive into juicy topics relevant to women in business. We reframe the lens on business so women just like you know how to achieve not just success but fulfillment and freedom. We've learned through decades of being entrepreneurs, mothers, and multiple business owners how to conquer the business arena. And the thousands of women we have worked with have given us insights and wisdom to share with you. We get honest, vulnerable, and real about what we've seen and experienced. We would love for you to join us in our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. And if you want to get even more support, visit womeninthebusinessarena.com. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. I'm your host Sonia Statman, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host Laura Schuch-Guzman. Hey, Laura. Hello. Hello. Oh, it's nice to be here. I know. It's nice and to connect. I- I'm quite excited this week where we are starting to do more three-part series where we get to dive even deeper into a topic. So, you know, the last three weeks we did sort of surviving the holidays or health obligations or things that are taking your capacity. This week we want to really sort of change topic. And what we want to talk about for the next three weeks is the statistic I found and i think there's a lot to talk around it so what the statistic was is that only 12% of women owned businesses are making more than 100,000 in revenue a year now 100,000 in revenue is not 100,000 salary or profit that is 100000 in revenue. So that means all your expenses, taxes, everything are included in that. So that means take-home is a lot, lot less for most women. So I think that statistic is shocking, 12%. That means that 88% of women-owned businesses are making less than hundred k revenue.
1: Hmm. That is a shocking statistic. I mean, I've been recently... Um, sitting with the one about, you know, funding, um, about how 3%, we've talked about this one before, how 3% of women receive funding, less than 1% if you're a woman of color. You know, that one was a shocking one. That's about people receiving startup capital or funding um, from investors. But then you think about, okay, you're out there hitting the pavement, doing your own online business, brick or mortar, whatever it is, doing your business. And that that is only 12%? of women bringing in over a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. And if they have high, uh, if that's a low profit margin, then what are they bringing home? (laughs) You know, their business is low profit. (laughs)
0: exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, in this day and age when everyone's talking about, you know, making a million dollars and everybody is, you know, saying how easy it is to make a million dollars, how easy it is to make a hundred K a month. Like, then let's really look at the statistics. Now, this statistic was recently done. It was done on the U.S. I think other countries are... Equal or less than that as well. So, you know, it is a real statistic. I looked up to, you know, sort of back it up. Um, it, was a, it was a recent study done in the last year. So, you know, this is a reality that we need to, to look at. And where I thought we could go in this three part series is talk about some different sort of frameworks around it and some different perspectives. So, this week, we're going to dive into some of the systemic issues. And the reason that I wanna talk about some of the systemic issues is because so often, women are beating themselves up, they're comparing, they're looking at how much of a failure they are. But there is a lot of things stacked against us in business and I think we need to talk about it, have conversations around it, and really look at the systemic things that need to change. Next week we're going to dive into some of the internal stuff. What are the internal blocks that are stopping us from making more money? We're going to talk about that. And the third week we're going to dive into some actual keys and some actual strategies that you need to have to really push your income over 100k. Hmm.
1: What do you think? Oh, this is going to be a great series. I'm excited. <gasps> me yes, too. Me yes. Too. <laughs> oh because God. this might have felt a little bit dire as we started off this conversation. Everyone's <laughs> going, oh no, where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah. But the good news is that we're going to talk about how we can understand this together, how we can normalize this and stop personalizing the systemic challenges yep. and actually get into a much better place around it. You know, we're going to talk about how do we then increase that number? You know, yes. how do we change that percentage?
0: Yes. And I think you guys this is what we're sometimes we're so afraid to have the real conversations and you know you see this so much in the business and social media everyone is talking about the hype and what they want and their aspirations and I think that's wonderful. We want to be encouraged, we want to be excited, we want to be hopeful. But I also think it is dangerous not to talk about the reality, what we actually have to do to succeed, what we have to do to make great income. Like these things are also really 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 important and that's what we want to focus on today.
1: Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm ready to dive in. Well, I think that one of the most, I mean, just with the systemic piece, I just Mm -hmm. want to reiterate that I personally used to do that, used to beat myself up. I used to, um, you know, it kind of started with like the whole balancing motherhood and work um, and really even just wondering like, why am I not able to make more? Like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get over the hump? Like, what's the deal? And I would completely compare, you know, completely um, ignore the fact that I had very limited hours per week because I had to manage um, my childcare and the expense of childcare would cut into my business expenses, right? Because you have to, childcare is your business expense for women. And a lot of times women don't even put that into any kind of, um, you know, uh, calculation and most of the, if you have any, um, business coaches or, you know, financial coaches, what I'm kind of going for like financial planning, they're not even going to think of your childcare in your business expenses. They're going to put it over in personal expense, but yeah. I'm thinking you really, if you're going to work, you have to look at, am I making enough per hour to pay for someone to take care of my kid?
0: Oh, look. And, and speaking of systemic, let's talk about taxes. Like, why don't we get to write off for our business, our child care? Yes. Because it is a hundred percent related. Yes. If we weren't in business, we wouldn't need to access child care. Oh, I mean, business right there
1: deductible. Yes. Yeah. It should totally be a part of our business expense that we can include, and it's not. So we we should start a campaign right there, like hashtag,
0: (laughs) we gotta come up with something. Change taxes, I don't know. But but like, seriously, and I think, you know, what what we have to look at is the bigger systemic issue is that women are still so much uh, of the person responsible for the domestic duties and responsible for the childcare. So it is often the woman who has to sacrifice time in her business. In order to take care of her children, or to balance how much child care can I afford? How much child care will my husband allow me to afford? You know, like there's all these sort of things that we have to navigate because in the system, we are still considered the primary child givers, our child yes. care people. Yes. Right. Right. And in so
1: many um, talking about, you know, salaried at a hundred grand or more, you know, many women are opting not to take those promotions and to take those higher paying jobs, not because they don't want them, not that because they don't want to also further their career, but because they are balancing, oh, can I actually do the responsibilities of that job um, and still meet the, you know, the needs of my family? Can I take care of my kids and, and do this job? And what infuriates me is how the media, Calls that opting out. Like, oh, yeah. look at all these parents. Look at all these really talented moms with grad school, you know, with like higher education degrees, and they're all just choosing to leave the workforce. It's like, no, no people, uh uh uh, no. We're being yep. pushed out by yep. a lack of systemic support. Yes,
0: yes. And in business, because, you know, I think we can all agree and see that in terms of corporate world. But in business, there is also the same issues that we're navigating. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to move into my own business and I'm going to have freedom. I'm going to move into my own business and that's not going to be an issue. But it is because we're still stuck in a very masculine framework for business. We're still expected to work long hours. We're still expected to work on weekends. We're We're still expected to meet the needs of our clients to such a high degree, you know, there, there still is that stigma attached when you have days off, when you aren't available in the in terms of customer service, when you shut down your doors because you're with your kids, like there still is stigma attached to it. And we're having to navigate that as well.
1: Yes, yes. And I think it is more invisible, like you're saying, yeah. you know, within the corporate world, we've had these discussion discussions. I think it's more um, debatable, like how corporations should handle support of their employees. But you don't really see it. Um, It's kind of hidden. And I think it's hidden behind a lot of the um, women entrepreneurs trying to look like they're doing it all because they think that it is a personal failure if they're not and they're comparing themselves and putting up the image that they've got it all covered when in reality, we are all growing businesses, often exhausting ourselves and not coming home with a big enough paycheck because we are still having to modify our schedule and pay for the childcare
0: expenses. Yes, 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 yes. So so like, you know, so there's systemic issues in sort of the masculine framework of society, right? There's systemic issues. I mean, I still hear a lot of women who are struggling to convince their husbands to work in their business full time, to convince their husbands even to have a business because their husband still believes they should be the domestic goddess and the, you know, parent who's with the children. And like, like still in the, in 2019, we're navigating these st- cultural ideas and depending on which culture you're in you know some cultures are even stronger in those ideas that the man goes to work the man is the breadwinner the woman oh she can have a hobby she could have a little hobby that might bring in a little bit of money but we still want you to be the head of the, you know the head of the childcare and the head of the domestic duties so you know we're still navigating that on such a big level and then there's the realities of the child care and the realities of the money we have to spend on child care, which is quite expensive. And so, you know, we have all of that to navigate. Yes. So let's talk about the, some of the other systemic changes because let's say you don't have kids, right? So, so far we've talked a lot about, you know, the family and having kids. But there are still a lot of systemic issues that we are dealing with in terms of, um, you know, women who are navigating it without kids, who are navigating business, you know. Let's talk about what you were talking about earlier about funding.
1: Yes, yes. So there is quite a bit of gender bias in business because we live in a... um, you know, in a business structure that is much more male dominated or just a male lens. And this is something we talk about on our podcast all the time. So the interesting thing is that when women, there's two different kind of sides of this. When women go up for funding, um, the way that funders perceive women is there are some stigmas, biases there. So perceiving women as not being as, um, capable of taking that money and running with it and doing something amazing. Um, so there's just like some sexism in the funding landscape. And then there's also, um, you know, women are, we have been taught uh, to often be polite to wait our turn and our male counterparts are not doing that. They are stepping into the front. They are seeing their own praises. They are um, confident that they can take that money and they even without really data to back that up or education or experience, they will basically stake their life on the fact that they can do it where women are feeling like they have to come up with more and more reasons to justify their endeavor. Like I have this degree and I have this education. Wait, let me get another degree. Let me pull this in. Let me pull that in. So there's a little bit of that's internalized sexism, right? Where we have taken some of the beliefs that have been dominant and we've then become where we believe them about ourselves. And so it's a lack of confidence. And then there's the reality that those people are, the investors are perceiving the women standing up in front of the pitch competitions as less competent.
0: Yes, yes. And I think, you know, what is happening is we're basically starting out with less. So we have less funding. We have less resources. We have less support. So we're starting out our businesses with a lot less. And I mean, we're quite amazing, really. Like, if you've gotten anywhere in your business, if you've had clients, if you've made twenty k, like you're amazing. Because that's the thing is that we're we're starting off um, with a lot of challenges right out of the gate. And our male equals are you know, starting out with privilege. So, you know, these are real issues and they're realities. And so it's not that we wanna get depressed by them or we wanna look down on ourselves or wanna look down at the system. It's really about knowing the landscape. As I talk about, it's knowing the arena so you can win in it, so that you can succeed in it, so that you can navigate it. And so this is the arena. The arena is built up against us. It's built with a lot of male privilege, and so these are all things that we have to think about and and look at. And I think some of the other sort of issues as well is that, you know, with business, the general sort of feel of business, the general way it's been run up to this point is very masculine. It's about how much you will do, how far you will go, how much you will manipulate people to buy from you, whether that's in sales or your marketing. You know, there's a lot of pushing that happens in business and you can see that even in the terms that we talk about hustling and you know getting it done and you know killing all, it <laughs> yeah killing it you know kill, all masculine terms and for a lot of women if you aren't a sort of naturally masculine woman like we all are on sort of on the spectrum of masculine and feminine. But if it's not your nature to be more of a hustler or to be more extroverted, then what also happens is that you end up burnt out because you can't operate your business in these ways.
1: Yes, yes. And they have actually, you know, there's been quite some uh, discussion around the introverted versus the extroverted entrepreneur and how we kind of glorify this extroverted, hustling, more masculine leaning entrepreneur. And that if you don't fall in that category, then often you can feel like something's wrong with you. And I think that that is always what's driving um, our conversation, Sonia, is let's pull the veil away and let's. Look at what's really happening, so that we stop judging ourselves, so that we can quiet that critical mind that's saying, "Oh, it's just you." Look at it. Everybody else is great. Um, no, it's like you kind of have to look that the system is skewed. You know that there is a arena, as you call it. You know that we're operating in, and we need to understand the reality of that arena, and we can actually be more effective in changing it if we understand what we're up against. Because if we just continue to participate in the rules that it's kind of doled out to us, then women are gonna always stay in that small percentage because that's how the system was created, was around these other um, like to explain, like Felina Hansen, she is a uh, amazing founder of a co working space in San Diego called Hera Hub, and she was one of the first women to actually create co working spaces that were for everyone, but designed with the female, with the woman in mind. Like, what does a woman in business need? And then we've seen many more um, women do that with child, on site childcare. And, and what I love about all of them is they they keep saying like. Every Everyone can come in like we're for here for women, we're here for men, but we are creating spaces from the female perspective and that hasn't been done enough in business and so we're starting with this co-working space because that's where the entrepreneur the female entrepreneurs are gathering and if they can walk into a space that mirrors their values and their strengths and helps them see their ability to play in this arena then we're going to get so much further than if we just keep participating in the old um the old structures, the old way of being, the old design. I mean, like everything that men have created, it didn't think about the woman at work. It thought about the woman at home taking care of the kids.
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, it's exactly why I created the program I have, Women in the Arena, and what I've been doing for such a long period of time. I spent so much of my 20-year you know, business coaching career, like exhausted and, de- and debilitated trying to operate in the masculine way. And I'm an introvert. I'm very feminine. I like self care. I need space. I need, you know, to do things in a much more simple way. I do not like exhausting myself by putting a massive amount of energy out. And and so for me, it took me years and years and years to understand that I don't have to operate in that masculine way to succeed. That there is a way that we can turn business on its head completely and operate from a place that is more aligned with our gifts, more aligned with our strengths and really who we are. And that is what is shifting and changing the business world. But still, so many people are operating in that masculine way because they don't see there is another way to operate. There is another way to create things. Just like with the co-working spaces, we can redesign the business world to fit us, to work for us, and to propel us forward. Uh.
1: I get chills just when you say that. And it reminds me that, you know, you and I came together. This is what bonded us. What created the spark to our friendship was our common shared desire to buck the system because we were like, no, no, no. There are way too many talented, passionate, amazing, world-changing women that are being held back because the structures are not there to bring out the best in them, right? Yes,
0: yes. And that was 12 years ago. Yes, (laughs)
1: i know it's amazing like that we're, we're that we're here now having this conversation because i'm thinking back to like that is what brought you and i together I know. and it was our desire to create systemic change that then prompted us to create a business a co-working model was new and so we integrated that i concept into our original business you know um this is Actually, though, good news when we think about how many more conversations we're having now, since uh-huh. it has been 12 years, we no. can really look to see there it has, it's been slow, but there yeah. has been progress. <laughs> and, you know, the Me Too movement has actually helped in a different arena. It's women finding their voices against yeah. sexual assault and harassment. It's But that's also about women stepping out and bucking the role that they were given in business because we aren't side can, you know, we aren't eye candy, we aren't just the side hustle, we aren't the honey, can you get me some coffee, please? Why spank your butt? That is not what we are anymore. We haven't been that for a long time. And it hasn't been until the last couple of years that we've really started talking to each other about that, that conscious raising around um, women in business. I feel like to me, it feels like it must have been similar to what the women were feeling back in the 50s and 60s when they started to gather around and be like, you too, you're feeling this way? Because I'm not happy with my position at home. I'm not happy just being relegated to the domestic sphere. I want more out of this. And that conscious raising happened because women were able to share their voice and their truth around it.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and and truthfully, because a lot of people, when we start to talk about sort of all the systemic issues, a lot of people start to feel like, well, yeah, but how can we change a huge system, right? I always think of it like a, you know, it's like a huge, like, ship that just doesn't turn around very easily, right? It takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to get that baby to turn around. But here's the thing. It really starts by us changing ourselves, it starts by us committing to something. It starts by us using our own voice. It starts by us changing the way we're operating and being a leader and an example to others. And I've seen this in my program, right? I've seen so many women transform how they're operating, how they see the world, how they, you know, are in the world and the voice that they have. And that voice impacts, that voice resonates, that voice shows others a path to changing the system. So we are not helpless. and it it is not as big as we think it is, but it does start with us.
1: Yes, yes. And it starts with us, like we both are saying here, with being honest. And I think that women are afraid to be honest when it comes to money. Yeah. We're afraid to admit that we're not making the money that we thought we would or that we want our Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook image to look like we're making, we're afraid because we think everyone else is making more than us. And so by, by thinking everyone else is making more, and then just saying, oh, there's something wrong with me, I just need to do something more. And it's all about me being better. If we all do that, and we're all being silent, then we're all going to stay in the same place where we're actually not making money because we're coming from this disadvantaged point, not because you have some sort of um, inability, some sort of you know weakness within yourself that you aren't the entrepreneur that you want to be. Most likely you're pulling from your savings and you are using the money that you've earned to, that was meant to take care of you and your family. You had to like scrape it and put it into a business that you put all your hopes and dreams. Well, guess what? You've got male founders that are going up in front of pitch uh, competitions and investors getting $100 million. They are in debt for $100 million, but that was not their money that they had to roll. Like they were able to receive it from investors. And then when you start off a company with 100 million versus where Sonia and I started our company <laughs> with what? I don't know, was that 5,000? Wait, wait, no, we got yeah. that initial loan for 25,000, I think. That was <laughs> that was it, right? So women are literally starting businesses with under $25,000 to start. And these yeah. male founders are starting with twenty. dollars Five million. Yes, like, I mean, yes. it's insane. And we're okay. trying to compare ourselves. Yep. We all know you need money to make money. We all need you, you. We know that like you can be the most brilliant, amazing person with the best idea ever. And if you don't have money to build out your product or you don't have money to market your service, then you're not going to get that out into the world.
0: Yes. And we
1: are not starting on a fair yes. ground.
0: You know, and this, I feel, gets really back into talking about the importance of talking about money, right? Because I do think that there is a stigma. So partly because of what we talked about earlier, where is there is a masculine framework on business, is a masculine framework around income, is a masculine framework around money. And so, you know, I'm sure many of you women can relate. Your husband's saying, well, how much did you make this month? Or how much did you make this year? Or, well, you haven't made enough for it to be valuable. I think you should go back to work. Or I think you should go, you know, just be full time with the kids. Like these are things that a lot of women have experienced because I have had hundreds and hundreds of conversations around it. And I think, you know, we're still looking at money through that lens. Like how much money have we made? Is it a hobby? Is it a real business? A lot of women are not motivated by money as well. So then trying to have goals of making a million dollars and making a lot of money, oftentimes it's not even real to them. They might do it because their partner wants it, or they might do it because they think they should compare to others, but a lot of people don't feel it. It's not really a feeling they have. I am not motivated by money. If I create a money goal, I won't create it because there's no value in that for me. If I create an impact goal, if I create a reason why I want to make a certain amount of money and it matters to me, it's something that I can invest in, it's something I can feel, well, then, yes, I can move towards that. So I think, you know, we also have to redefine money, income, and profit. We need to be looking at it from a personal viewpoint. What do we want to experience? What do we want to make? How much profit do we want to make? Like, we need to stop comparing and stop holding it in the same light. We need to redefine it all. And these conversations are so very important. And they're really valuable to have with other women or business coaches or financial women who understand the stigma and the fear that we have attached. Because I don't know about you guys, but I have been very shamed by men over the years for not making more money, whether it was my father or my partners or the men in my life, that has created scars. And it took me a long time to be able to talk about income and talk about money in a way that I felt comfortable. And I think we've got to talk to each other.
1: Yes, yes. And yeah, and I'm also having the thought of, we're having this conversation about the systemic challenges. And we're two white women who have had white privilege on, you know, to help us with certain aspects of getting in front of bankers, getting in front of investors or getting in front of um, or even just the education that I was able to acquire and the support that I've received. I own and I understand that I even had white privilege to work with. And so women of color who are getting less than 1% of any funds, how many, you know, where's that percentage for them? And so women, if you are a woman who has some sort of privilege, whether you have socioeconomic privilege already, like from, you know, um, family money or your a previous job or whatever you have, and you've got white privilege, you've got um, educational privilege, like think about that too, and help another woman up because we've got to be talking to each other and we have to be helping each other. And we have to be opening doors for each other. And we cannot believe that old myth that there's only one place at the top for that token female because we all can occupy these powerful, amazing, impactful positions at the top of our companies, at the top of our leadership within our communities, across companies that maybe we even work like for a large corporation. We can open those doors. And so I just want to kind of, that's my PSA on please use your privilege, be mindful of what you have and bring up other women into these conversations and make it known to them that you're seeking to support each other.
0: Yes. Yes. And, you know, one of the ways that we can do that is by hiring more women. Like, yes. I am always shocked. I'm sorry, but I am at women in business who hire male coaches, as an example. Like, I don't get it because, for one, that man will never understand what you are going through. Not ever. There's no possibility because they have male privilege. There's no way for them to see it. And so, like, you know, that always shocks me. Or when you're hiring services, you hire out from, like, there's so many women who are viable, who are amazing, who Who can completely give you everything that you need for your business. So hire women, right? Support women, invest in women. Like, you know, this is, I I get lots of pushback from men, of course, because, you know, they don't like that they have reverse sexism, which is not a thing, just so everyone knows. There cannot be reverse sexism because men are they have the more. They have the privilege. Yeah, there's no too way to make it for reverse. too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is just never going to happen. But anyway, the you know, I think it's. We, we can commit to that. So for me, I commit that pretty much 99% of the people that I invest in are all women. Once in a blue moon, I might have a man, but his team also has to have women in it. So it's like there is that commitment that we can make to invest in women, to support women-owned businesses, to reach out to women who are amazing. And so that's a very powerful thing that we can do to change that system and that systemic issue. The more women we're are investing in, the more money those women are making.
1: Oh, I love this. I love the direction this conversation is going because first we kind of opened up with, you know, we need to talk honestly about our experiences and we need to acknowledge that there are systemic hurdles that we're all facing. And now we're also coming around to, and how can we do something about those systemic challenges? Not only can we create businesses that are, um, like I said, kind of bucking the system, but we can start Really supporting each other by hiring one another, by um, being able to bring more attention to one another, to really just kind of break down that whole sisterhood ceiling is what someone uh, I was at a conference and this one woman said, you know, what do you what do we do about the sisterhood ceiling? And I, and she was the first person that had called it that. Um, for me to get my head around, is like, whoa, you're right. Like we really have to keep talking about it because we can talk about the glass ceiling all day. But if we're not talking about how women also can can participate in that and not lift one another up, then we're not gonna break through that as quickly as we will when we do it all together. Um And I just, I think that the that aspect of um, hiring, you know, when you have an opportunity to work with a coach or, or just hire your team, you know, it's funny because, I'm thinking I've just hired my first male team member and he was so funny. Um, after his first couple of weeks, he came to me. He's like, Laura, I just want to make sure, like, are you good with this? You know, because maybe I don't fit in, you know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't know. And I was like, you know what? You are a healthy masculine and we need healthy masculine within this feminine space, but I love that you can feel it. You can feel how powerfully I've built this culture to be based in feminine values. So him as a male, he did note it. And he was like, wait, do I fit? Like, are you okay? Are the members gonna be okay that, that I'm a guy? It's like absolutely, but I'm glad that you picked up on that because this is what we're gonna cultivate: is the healthy feminine and the masculine. And you know, because I've always hired women, and um, and then you know, it's been really interesting. And and he's a part of a, a team, so I have this male female duo, and they're helping operate my my business for my space, my co working space, and it's just really fun to play with a healthy balance of the feminine and the masculine. Um, But you can do that in your business, like be intentional and educate, like when men come in the door and you do, you know, see talent there and a good fit for your business, it's okay to tell them that this is a feminine forward business design and you're going to be a male participating in it. And I want you to notice what you feel. I want you to notice what's coming up. Because whatever you feel is often how women, if it's positive, then great. But any kind of like nervousness or discomfort, there you go. Put yourself in the shoes of what women have been feeling walking into male design spaces all their life. Yeah.
0: Look, it is really powerful when men experience you know, some of the things that women have experienced, right. When some of that privilege peels off in many different ways, you know, like, like, I think my husband is experiencing that because now he is in charge more of being the domestic person. Like, yeah. Because oh, yeah, the it changes pretty fast when they're in
1: charge with the kids <laughs> yeah. and they start doing. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's a whole awareness that was just not there before. Right. And I think We do need men who are more aware. But I also think, you know, one of the ways to sort of, you know, change the statistic is really just make a commitment. You know, 80% of who you hire and who you work with is women. 20% can be men. You know, it's up to you how you create that. That's one example. But I think, you know, making a commitment to invest in more women and to have a design around your business that's more feminine, that's more about empowering women, that's more about making a change. You know, I think a lot of people talk about this, you know, they want to do this. I mean, I know I get a lot of women who want to empower women. That's their mission, right? They come to me and they say, I want to empower women. So a lot of people have this on their mind. I think a lot of people don't know how to do it. They don't really know what the path is. And these are some of the things we're going to talk about in the next two parts as well. But I think it starts with recognizing that the world is designed for a man and we need to change it. We need to shift it. We need to redesign it. Yes.
1: Yes. And that there is so much like to be experienced when women come and stand all in, in the arena and note what has been designed before that is holding us back and not to just fall back and not just to be like, ugh, this must be me, but to be like, hey, you too, are you experiencing this? Because I'm feeling this and I don't think that it's just because I'm not good enough. I think that there's something wrong with this arena that we're in. I think there's something wrong with a structure. So let's start talking to each other about it and come with shared solutions and collaborative projects, you know, work together. And we can do this if we're not just siloed. And that's a disadvantage that's really facing the masculine model of business is their focus on competition. Competition is out it's the way of the old. And collaboration is the feminine value that's changing the way we do business.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. yes. I, I feel like there's so much more I want to say about this. I, <laughs> I know. We're going to get to talk about it for two more weeks. But one of the things I just want to sort of say in the tail end is that, <clears throat> you know, I, th- I would love to see us owning our money. Right, because what I feel like is so many women are afraid to own their income, because they're again seeing all this the stuff out there, but all these people making millions, making fifty k a month, making blah blah blah. I'm so tired of seeing all that BS, and you see all that, and so it's like we're not owning what we are making, right? Like I want to see women own. they're making a year or $10,000 that they made this year. Like, I want to see that ownership of like, yes, I made money. It doesn't matter how much it is. Yes, we want to increase it. We want to bump it up. But if we can't own where we are, we can't get to where we want to be. And I think that is the biggest shame of what's happening is that we are not able to own where we are because we're so embarrassed or we feel ashamed or we feel like we're no good. or We feel like we're not valuable. You know, I spent years and years in that less than, you know, that 88%, you know, like years and years I spent there making less than 100K, so embarrassed, so ashamed, feeling like, oh my gosh, like I'm not good enough. You know, and and it's like, I wish that I had owned it, right? I wish that I had appreciated where I was. It would have gotten me a lot faster to where I am now. Mm,
1: Yes, yes. And that is so much about, owning our value, owning what we're contributing, owning what we're, in, really getting it behind money as something that we're able to work with to bring about impact, like get behind money, you know, and not be afraid of it and not be um, stuck in that comparison game, but to really be more transparent. And, you know, if women hadn't started um, sharing what they were making, then they with certain companies, I've heard, you know, women start to have to talk to each other so that they realized that they were like, you know, $5,000 Five thousand dollars behind, and that's just throwing a random number out of their male counterpart. You know they wouldn't have known that because you know you're not supposed to discuss your salaries at work. But then women started kind of comparing notes and realizing, wait, why is this guy making that much more money? And there's actually somebody that was just recently apolog- somebody that uh, somebody in leadership. It just was like um, discussed in the news, like of how much less she's making, um, and she's. You know, to her male counterpart. So we just have to keep talking because if we don't share what's happening, then we won't know that it's not just us.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, in in light of that as well, we need to be talking about our profit, right? So, so much of what you see in the media is revenue. Same with that this is 100K, the statistic. You know, like this statistic is based on revenue. It's not based on profit. So, you know, people could be bringing home nothing in profit and 100K in revenue. And same with these million dollar businesses. They're, you know, they're claiming they're making a million dollars or 100K a month as an example. They're spending 50K a month on Facebook ads alone. So their, their profit margins are are incredibly small. And I think what we need to be talking about is profit because profit is more realistic for what we're bringing home, for what salary we have. You know, you can, some people include salary and in their profit or don't include salary in the profit, but we need to be talking about what we're bringing home, what we're able to live on, what we're able to provide with. Like there needs to be a shift and a change in the topic. We just have to stop listening, because I guarantee you all those people out there that you've been comparing yourself to, all of those things you've seen in the media, they're all BS. They're colored, they're filtered, they're, you know put into the best light. They're not really telling you what they're making in profit. They're not telling what they're spending in expenses. They're not telling you about the million dollar debt that's chasing them down to are exhausted. There's so many things you don't see behind the scenes. And I know because I have literally seen behind the scenes of thousands of businesses and people you think are successful, they're not. They're making no money. And so I think, you know, we need more conversations around this because I know women who are making 80K with more profit, than people who are making a million. Right. right? Yes. That changes the subject.
1: Yes. Yes. Because revenue is not indicative of what you're really what your take home is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love it. All right.
0: So obviously, this is a huge topic. There's a lot of things we could cover. So we just wanted to create sort of a baseline for what we're going to talk about the next two weeks. And, you know, next week, we're going to dig into more of sort of some of the personal things that are stopping us from, you know, making more income. You know, those are things like we're not owning our value. You know, we're not uh, looking at some of the things that we should be looking at inside of ourselves. You know, and those are really, really powerful things. When you shift them, they really shift what you make in your business. So we're going to to talk about that next week. And then the week after, we're going to talk about some strategies that you can do in your business to make more money. So I think it's going to be a powerful series.
1: Yes, I'm excited.
0: Me too. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Add to the conversation in our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. You can also access all of our episodes and some great resources at womeninthebusinessarena.com. Our mission is to arm more women with the tools, strategies and know-how to navigate the business arena with ease. We need more women in power and with the resources to change the world. If you are enjoying the show and want to support our mission, please help us spread the word. You can write a review on iTunes, or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who've commented, reviewed, and shared our show. We are so appreciative of your support. Okay, see you next week.